Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we have Blake returning again this week to chat all about finding Middle-Earth in a galaxy far, far away. That's right. We're, we're going to be talking about uh, how Lord of the Rings and Star Wars compare and uh, all the different things that tie them together, both story-wise and cinema-wise. And uh, of course, we've got Bring Home the Bounty week 11, I believe it is, and a few other things to talk about, new books releasing, uh, the craziness around Star Wars Eclipse, and Book of Boba Fett right around the corner. So, let's get into it. Another happy landing. Do you trust them? I trust them to work in their own self-interest. I bear the mayor's heartfelt welcome. Keep an eye on that one. I keep an eye on everyone. I'm here to talk business. Boba Fett, streaming December 29th, only on Disney+. Plus. All right, welcome back to the show, Mr. Blake. Ah, thank you. Always a good time. Look forward to it every week. Oh, same here. Always, always good to hanging out with friends and chatting Star Wars. Uh, a new uh, book of Boba Fett teaser dropped, which I assume is going to be the last one. And it was, you know. Yeah, it's pretty similar. And there is a lot of recycled footage. But in this one, we get a little extra dialogue, which is kind of neat. Which is kind of proves, well, like it's to be expected, but it proves that he doesn't trust them. But but he hopes that they'll if he dangles the carrot in front of them that they'll follow. Which, if he if he's planning to rule with respect, is more or less his only option. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's going to be very interesting to see how he approaches this new job uh, sitting on Jabba's throne. Basically controlling hot space, which is a bit almost too much for a single guy and his companion. So, you know, I, I'm very curious to see how this works out. I feel like this is the story of the Star Wars underworld at this point in time uh, going forward. That's going to affect the events that happen later in the next stories. You know, like it's it's going to be it's going to be cool to, to see what happens because. That's something that Clone Wars was really cool, uh, really good about doing. Like they, they didn't just feature the Republic and the Separatists for every episode for seven seasons worth of sh- the show. Like it was very diverse in the sense that you had all these different, uh, these different parties that got featured and these different, uh, different sides of the galaxy that were all affected by this this experience that was going on simultaneously. So, um, lots of underworld episodes with the bounty hunters and all that stuff. You know. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Actually, stuff. you know that actually makes me realize is we're kind of getting that now 
It's just yeah. it's not one series. So instead of just the Clone Wars about all these different, you know, you get like the battle hardened soldiers with the clones, and then you get the Jedi stories on their adventures, and you get these one off bounty hunter things. We're kind of getting that now, but instead of it being one show, it's different shows that are all kind of like less episodes. So it's like they just grouped right. them together and rebranded them. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, so. I guess, uh, yeah, that's that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I don't really have too much to say about the new teaser personally, but uh, this you know, is I the mean, first time that we've seen this new Twi'lek, isn't it? This is the this is about the second time I think that we've seen the Twi'lek, but it's the first time that I think we've heard him speak mm-hmm. and and say anything. So, uh, yeah, a little more a little more context, I guess, for his appearance. But uh, yeah, it seems kind of neat. Someone uh, approaching be. Boba. I really like that first shot, though, and speculating a bit on the Trandoshans. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that is kind of interesting. I never actually. I mean, I I knew. I guess from from Clone Wars, we know that the Trandoshans have a bit of a a bit of a thing going on with hunting the younglings like the Jedi and, and Mm -hmm. uh, then hunting them down for sport. And uh, along with a couple other, you know, they just kidnap random people and, but the Jedi is kind of the prize, right? Yeah. So it's a Wookiee because Chewbacca makes an appearance in that arc as well. So it kind of makes you wonder. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like, aside from, aside from that, we don't really get a whole lot of context for what the other, because I'm just assuming that's just a, a group of their species that does that for sport. Uh, you know, there's other Trandoshans out there, but, you know, it's like, what do most of them actually do with their times? Like, we don't really know. So maybe yeah, this true. is like the first ever Trandoshan-based uh, crime syndicate or something that's going on, right? Like, maybe we'll get a bit more connection to to their home world mm-hmm. and and stuff like that which is i'm still be- holding holding out hope that these are like the leaders of the bounty hunters guild but we'll see what happens on that yeah one. that would be really cool yeah, yeah that I, would be I, very cool i do trust dave to to kind of like weave that all together bring it back into canon i would i don't think anyone else would but dave i think has the uh, possibility to do it so you know, here's yep. hoping, but we'll see what happens. And there's this, there's that dog creature guy kind of on the group there. So maybe it's not all Trandoshans, right? So there's yeah. a little bit of credence to that. But yeah, maybe it is just a different you know, group of like a smaller band of crime syndicate or whatever. Maybe they used to work with Jabba or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, it's going to be a cool show. I mean, we got a few more flashes of that, uh, that, uh, that moped race. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got one more thing to point out the Trandoshans before we move on, though. Sure. Because we uh, live action, I think we've only seen Bosk up to this point. Other than that, it's yeah. just been animated. And so it's neat to see that, like, the facial structures, like, the of the costumes of these, these specific Trandoshans, they look like they're of the same, like, model design. Mm-hmm. As what we saw in the Clone Wars, which is kind of cool. Like they're yeah. not just all duplicates of Bosk. Like they actually look like faces that we saw in the Clone Wars. Right. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, a bit more kind of different between all of them, right? Yeah, so, like blocky eyebrows and everything. Yeah, that is like really cool. Definitely. So, and we get a, we get a clear glimpse at like two or three of them in this trailer too, which is, which is, yeah, which it's is awesome. Yeah, it's neat. Uh, I, got, I cool. gotta say the... Uh, I can't remember if we've ever seen a shirtless uh, Gamorrean guard before. 
but it's tripping me out. Because <laughs> they usually just have vests, right? Yeah, they normally have vests on. And I'm pretty sure the last time we saw Gamorrean guards, they were wearing those like, uh, I don't know, I they may have been shirtless, but it, I don't know. It's just, it's almost like without the vest and everything, they almost look more human with a pig head, right? Like they're, they're, It's like they're, they weren't, like they were like that before, but now they just look even weirder because I'm looking yeah. at like a, a just like a pig big man. dude. Yeah, just a big guy and then his face yeah. is like, you know, a pig. As as Kramer <laughs> once said, pig man. Pig man. <laughs> a little Seinfeld reference for you there. <laughs> Everyone over the age of 30 is like laughing. <laughs> yeah, cuz actually I have any idea what I'm talking about. I've seen I've seen a few episodes of Seinfeld. It's it's all right. It's pretty. If good you show. like Friends, you'll like Seinfeld. It's like a better version. <laughs> That's a bold <laughs> statement. I stand That's by it. Statement. My my wife's told me the same thing, and she used to be a Friends fan, so I think it's legit. Oh, wow. That's. That's it then. That's it. Um, bit of bit of news. Uh, the podcast is now available through a new a new vendor or a new uh, host site. If anyone listens to podcasts on Podcast Republic, uh, we're now streaming on Podcast Republic as well, which is uh, one more avenue to get a hold of Star Wars Escape Pod. So it's a fitting name for a Star Wars podcast. Oh yeah, the Republic. <laughs> That's right. This podcast is now part of the Republic. <laughs> <laughs> we we will sign your treaty. <laughs> the Republic could not have come up with a client so quickly. <laughs> actually pretty good at that. Uh, oh yeah, my my Duke, I've been practicing my Dooku impression in the shower. Oh, that's why. That makes sense. You're doing good work. Keep it up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Oh, I'm running low on the soap. <laughs> oh my gosh! You get, yeah, you could honestly do like decent impressions, do some bits or something. We were uh, we were playing uh, an RPG recently with Bryce, and uh, we we did we had a pretty good time doing the RPG custom RPG. We had uh, you had a pretty nice um, a Mayfeld accent going on, accidental, but yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to do Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and I played the uh, the Vin Diesel of the Star Wars universe, so that was pretty fun. And uh, you know, I you know at some point we got we got to record these these RPG sessions, that, or at least do one. You know, like a, a one shot, like what we did that night. You know, under two hours, and then just do it over uh, over uh, recording, uh, so that uh, we can try and get a good entertainment experience out of it for everyone. I don't our know. Listeners. Will, will people actually want to listen to that? I think it was pretty good. I think it was pretty, yeah, we had a pretty good time doing that. And uh, I think, I don't know. I mean, Critical Role is so popular. And mind you, they're um, like, they're pro, yeah. right? But, but they but, also uh, do improv. Like, right. Yeah. They, well. they do a lot of improv. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're also like a, you know, they're in itself, they're voice actors and entertainers. So it's professional. But yeah, I don't know. We, we give it a go at some point. It's always we'll been see what happens. Time. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I think next, that's the whole idea. Next game, <laughs> I want one of these Vespas. These Vespas in the Boba Fett trailer here. Yeah, these uh, these Star Wars Vespas. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty cool little uh, little design. I don't really know what to think of it other than it doesn't belong on Tatooine. No, uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, mind you, like, and I don't even know if this is Tatooine. I'm just assuming that it is. 
uh, like it could very well be a different planet because I know we've seen glimpses of a different planet on other teaser trailers that look similar, but uh, it's, I don't know. It could be, it could be a new city or, or something like a new uh, settlement be. that, that is on Tatooine. Cause it does look like it could be Tatooine with all the, the domed gray or beige buildings and stuff. I'm still hoping it's Moss Espa, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I would love to see Mos Espa again. I mean, it's a, it's a city we haven't seen since since Attack of the Clones, which yeah. was first introduced in the Phantom Menace, and that was it, right? I mean, never, never. We went spent back a lot of time in Phantom Menace there, and then just kind of never went back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what happened to Shmi's house? I mean, yeah, let's let's get that story. <laughs> Nobody cares well, like, about Shmi's house. <laughs> figure out like who's, who's moved in there. Like maybe the slumlord that controls it. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, you know who moved in there is uh, the old lady that that asked Ray what her name is. <laughs> oh, I could see that. Who she's, are you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's roommates with the lady who's talking about her bones aching. <laughs> oh, my bones are aching, Annie. Storm's coming. <laughs> Is that what she says? Something like that. <laughs> I don't think she says my bones are aching. Yeah, she does. 100%. She says that. I, that's the part what? I know she says. She says Storm's coming, Annie. I don't know if she says. Yeah, no, my bones are aching. I guarantee no, it. She says Storm's storm's coming, Annie. You better get home quick. I'm pretty sure there's a bones thing in there. <laughs> That'd be something you would say. Throw, <laughs> throw throw Blake, the old man, into Star Wars somewhere. You know, like maybe you're like 70 or something sitting on the street of Tatooine. And the first and only thing you say while people are walking by is, my bones are aching. Yeah. No, probably more more along the lines of, oh, my, my bones are aching. Storms are brewing. <laughs> there we go. Oh, you, can, you can... Like uh, ADR that into the movie. Yeah, 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 exactly. The uh, the Star Wars Escape Pod cut. That's right. <laughs> Everyone's got a cut. We got we got to make our own cut in the movie. Um, so yeah, let's uh, a couple things are dropping on the the onto the Star Wars shelves. The merchandise uh, and uh, we love the Star Wars Black Series helmets, which is pretty sweet. You know those those Hasbro Black Series helmets never get old. They're super high quality, and uh, and now we're getting a Bo Katan helmet dropping in the new year oh. at some point which is going to be pretty cool yeah that'd be a whole new mold because they got to do different lenses yeah they've reused the boba fett mold so many times uh i think the only exception was the mandalorian but uh they've done the the boba fett helmet uh you know they did the proto fett, a prototype white one they did the empire strikes back one they're coming out with the re-armored mandalorian boba fett helmet uh, there, there, there was another one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was uh, the, the Death Watch. Death, Death Watch. Watch helmet. Yeah, there's like four of them. There's four of them all using the same. They're just milking that thing, and yet they still haven't given us Django. I'm so mad. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta take the dent out. They can't do that one. Yeah. Well, they did it with the 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 Death Watch one. They took the dent out. Okay. But well, I got no excuse then. <laughs> they got no excuse. It's like, man, just just do Django already. Now, now they also can do Chrome because we've seen the, the Mandalorian true. one. They could just dirty that up a bit and make a Django. One. I feel like they're just still scared to touch anything that has to do with the prequels. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. But uh, I'm still you know, waiting. Why haven't they done any of the clone helmets? I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, like the clone I'll helmets buy would those. be a huge seller. It'd be so cool, man. If they yeah. did Rex. 
Can imagine if they did Rex? That'd be so cool. That's the best oh, yeah. helmet that's ever come out of Star Wars. Like the, the Rex phase two, like where he's got the yeah, where the he welds his yeah. own uh, T visor on it. So oh, cool. so good. So yeah, Bo-Katan Black Series helmet. Uh, there's also, of course, the Mandalorian dark saber being released from the Hasbro Black Series as well, which is pretty cool. We all love the Hasbro Black Series stuff. Uh, so if you're a collector of those lightsabers, the dark saber is coming out. R2D2 Tamagotchis, thirty bucks each a pop. Canadian Tamagotchi. Uh, is that the pets? Tamagotchi. The official, pets? yes, the official Tamagotchi by Bandai. They're uh, they partnered with Lucasfilm to release an R two D two inspired Star Wars version, and it's all Star Warsified. The whole software and everything on it is is completely Star Warsified. And there's two variations. There's a a blue one and a white one of these things, and uh, apparently they're maybe limited edition or something uh, which is probably what makes them so expensive but uh, i was around in the 90s when that was a thing and yeah. if you forgot to feed your electronic pet it would die yeah i had a gen 2 uh it was the <laughs> first time that you could i think multiplayer with like other people it had the little red band for the doing the the uh you know you held it up to someone else you could airdrop them a gift or something like that, like another yeah. Tamagotchi, right? Yeah, and you could play some games with each other and stuff like that. And and uh, man, I loved it. It was like a green one that looked like a dinosaur <laughs> egg. Yeah, uh, so classic. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Orange buttons, three of them at the bottom. Do you think they'll be just as interactive and? Oh yeah, uh, mortal. <laughs> Appar- apparently, they're they're really good. Yeah, there's some reviews out about them, and apparently, it's. Uh, it's impressing a lot of people. So all the kids can bring them back and take them to school. And have a Tamagotchi in one hand and a fidget spinner in the other. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> How long can you have R two D two live? <laughs> That's right. How long will you remember to feed him? That's right. <laughs> the uh, uh, limited edition Boba Fett Razor Xbox controller. Uh, I also found out there's a Mandalorian one as well. So uh, uh, cool Xbox controllers from Razor with the base charging stand, everything. Expensive stuff. They're like two hundred dollars or two fifty or something. It's kind of crazy, or maybe maybe it's one hundred fifty. I don't know. It's they're, they're up there. They're over one hundred fifty dollars a pop, and yeah, so a bit too much, but uh, whatever. Uh, so we we haven't done bring home the bounty in in a while. It's been a uh, while, which is, yeah. Which is why, uh, yeah, which is kind of why I'm, I'm bringing up some of these key items. But there's been other stuff that has been released since then. Uh, backpacks, action figures, you know, stuff. Uh, they're, some they're stuff there before a, was a re-release. So yeah, yeah, some of the stuff was yeah older that they kind of just threw up there. But um, I don't know. Two two standout things for me, at least under the uh, under the action figure list, is uh, the Battlefront Two Umbara Operative Arc Trooper six inch figure. Uh, you can pre-order that starting tomorrow, December twenty second. And uh, they're releasing Republic Commando Bosk, or sorry, not Bosk, Boss, <laughs> Boss in uh, the six-inch series as well, and uh, a Battlefront Two Jet Trooper from uh, from the Republic faction. So, lots of cool figures coming. For yeah, that's clones. cool. I like when they start yeah. doing some of the old game stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, bringing back the old, the old game, the vintage yeah. series, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Oh, did you get your George Lucas Stormtrooper yet? I haven't. Did they release those yet? I'm not sure. That's what I'm asking. Oh, I mean, I I'm, a, I'm looking for them. I'm I assume they were out. I would. Uh, I mean, I'd love to uh, to get one of those, but I just haven't seen them anywhere. So, you know, maybe they're be, being all snatched maybe up. 
It might only be in the States. Yeah, maybe. That's, that's true. Uh, yeah. So uh, lots of cool stuff coming. And, uh, you know, keep an eye on uh, StarWars.com slash bring home the bounty for more releases. Um, of course, one of these releases, uh, well, we have one more week until the whole page is complete. And you can check it on December 28th for the final week, which is week 12 of Bring All the Bounty. And uh, maybe they'll release something something interesting that day. Uh, but uh, one of the more standout kind of big things that they, they did was one of the icons for week 10, I think it is, which was last week or two weeks ago, uh, was uh, a video game controller. And that co... co- uh, uh, corresponded with uh, Star Wars Eclipse, which is uh, we actually talked about it last time on the episode. And uh, I, you know, I, I'm not really big into social media, and I, like I, I like I do run the Twitter feed, but that is pretty much as far as my kind of social awareness of what other people's thoughts are on stuff goes. And uh, I just checked into Twitter one day, and there's this whole big thing going on about Blackout Eclipse or Star Blackout Star Wars Eclipse, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't really know how to approach the subject, but I just wanted to acknowledge it because it's out there. It's a thing. I haven't posted a single tweet in regards to this at all. And I noticed even uh, even Star Wars Explained, you know, really respectable guy, Alex, runs the YouTube show. Um, he does really great work. And, uh, and even he had something to say about it, saying that they wouldn't do any coverage as long as this, this thing was going on. <laughs> so, uh, you know... Uh, I guess I uh, just wanted to put it out there for anyone who's hyped for this game because I'm pretty stoked for this game. And, uh, you know, I don't really have any personal gripes with anyone who's involved with making that game. And if anyone has any strong opinions about it, uh, I'm just going to let it be. And uh, just kind of if this game comes out, it comes out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. So <laughs> I guess it is any- pretty early. So it is possible that. <laughs> Lucasfilm yeah. pulled the plug on it. It is, but, yeah. After all he, that money spent on the cinematic, it's just kind of like, yeah, toil- the cue the toilet time. flush right now, kind of thing. But yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. So, it, do you have any be, thoughts on this? Or I looked into it a bit. I know the basics of it. That, like, like the I don't know if he's like CEO or head of the the whatever the game part. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I think it was like sexual harassment with a fellow employee or something. This is a French studio. Uh, and I yeah, think it's based it was in, uh, based in France and Montreal. Uh, Montreal Quebec. as well. Okay. Yeah. And I'm a, this might be wrong, but I think I read that it went to court and he was, there was no charges. They like, they dismissed uh, it. Yeah, basically. Huh. And that's as much as I know. I don't know if there was more past that or if maybe I'm mistaken on that. But yeah, from what I understand, he has some some personal opinions about how the world is. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's just apparently it's it's a, it's just a, he's the root of a very toxic work environment and um, people want him gone. Right. So naturally. Star Wars fans can be very scary sometimes and, mm. um, you know, let, let the, the tsunami ensue kind of thing. And, and, uh, now Lucasfilm has got a bit of a backed up into a corner and I'm, I'm kind of wondering what, what happens next. So, well, the weird thing to me is that if this did go to court, there's obviously a record of it. Why did they not look first? 
Right. Right. Yeah. You think, especially Lucasfilm, that like as and being part of Disney, but even onto themselves, they're very like politically progressive in this sort of way, right? Yeah. It's weird that they wouldn't have looked. Right. It is it is odd, yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean stuff happens, stuff squeaks through. Uh and it's just a bit of a shock, you know, like all the yeah. hype for this game and then Yeah, like immediately after the trailer drops. Boom, like a week later and and it's like are we even going to see this game and um I I even had my doubts about whether or not we'd see this game uh about I don't know, a couple days after they released this tra- trailer. I saw an article saying that it's about three to four years away from being completed. And wow, then that I, long. Yeah. That's and so weird I, to uh, me. They would even drop a, a trailer that far ahead. Yeah, it is weird, right? Yeah. So um, I sent out a, a, a tweet about this and I posted the the article or at least a, a snapshot of, of the headline. And I said, what is the likelihood that this game could be canceled in a year? Hashtag Star Wars Eclipse. That was... December fourteenth. This was, I think, right before before all the uh, this this blackout stuff started happening, uh, and the headline read: "Star Wars Eclipse is apparently at least three or four years away from launch." And I was like, "Okay, uh, this is probably going to be a game we're not going to see because any game that tends to take ages to come out, especially with the Star Wars brand, always ends up getting killed. Right? Somehow, some form, some way." We we did two episodes about canceled Star Wars, canceled canceled as in just something that they just never decided to release to the public, and there is a tremendous amount of stuff that we had to run through for the games. Like that was it was uh, over twenty items or something, and uh, or thirty or whatever it was, and for for movies and shows it was uh, close to fifteen or whatever. But mm-hmm. it, it was it was so much stuff, and this thing is just probably unfortunately going to be the next thing Cutting on that floor. list. Yeah. yeah. So it's too bad. But uh, Yeah. I have to say, just considering the current climate, that seems most likely what's going to happen. But yeah. It's a shame. I mean, when we talked about the gameplay, it didn't look, at least to me, from what we have come to understand, it didn't seem like it would be a particularly fun game. But I thought the designs are really cool. I really want a game to come out in that mm-hmm. prequel era because we haven't gotten yeah. anything in like 10 15 years <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's um you know and it's it's such an interesting time period to do a game in and and uh it, like that's why i was so excited for it and i mean like this whole kind of movement has kind of put a damper on things and mm-hmm. I mean, mind you i mean, like i don't know maybe it's just uh maybe it's just uh, something I, i'm very self-conscious when it comes to any kind of large movement of any kind like this. But uh, I don't know. I think in general, uh, you know, I think everyone has a right to say what they want to say, uh, you know, make their peace with something. But I mean, there is something very scary about cancel culture, you know, uh, like we saw the same thing happen with Gina Carano. And the fact that someone can lose their job over a lot of people who've never even met the person or, or whatever can just use a hashtag and that gets retweeted and that yeah. gets retweeted. And it's just it's just like a cancer, man. It just spreads. And like, you know, there's no justifying it at all, it, it, you know, and, and it's just, yeah, there might be some problem to acknowledge. But uh, and I'm sure the right people will handle it. Uh, but, you know, when you get the world kind of coming at you for for something, it's just like uh, I can't imagine being anyone working on this game 
to go home and uh, know that's like the world's well, after yeah you know your studio your place of employment for for canceling this uh, this uh, Star Wars game that was hyped for about three yeah, days. Yeah, <laughs> that's the other side about it, right? Where yeah, people's probably, jobs are affected. Yeah, I mean. there's probably like tens, if not hundreds, of people that are working on this and just yeah, like. Yeah, it's next a day you find out. Yeah. Well, I'm probably going to lose my job now. Yeah, exactly. Something completely out right. of their control. Right. Yeah, and you know, it's like, and 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 to anyone who is working on this game, because you know they are artists and and TDs, and you know, just anyone anyone who works in the game industry who has a shot at working on this thing, like they were probably really excited to do that, and they probably have to kept a secret for you know, even close to a year. Cause that a cinematic like that, like in the trailer yeah. would have taken a long time to do. Oh yeah. It was very so, well done. Yeah. Very well done. And, and it looks beautiful. And, and they would have had to have kept that under wraps for so long. And uh, now, you know, the, the, the game awards comes out, they announce out the game awards and, uh, and then boom, like a week later and, and you're already looking at, okay, not only is this game being come after for stuff, you know, in relation to just the guy who founded the company, but uh, I have nothing to do with that guy. I'm just working on the game. I'm, I'm excited to work on the game. And now I might lose my job because they might pull the plug on the game because of this whole thing, right? Just because of one guy that I have no connection to. And it's like, um, you know, just to put myself in the shoes of some person who might be working on it, so to speak. But uh, it sucks, man. Like the whole thing just sucks. So, I mean, there's always that chance that that guy uh, gets ousted somehow and then replaced. Yeah. Because yeah. the issue is not the whole studio. It's just one guy who just happens to be at the top. I mean, I, like the best thing I think that maybe he could do is just put out a statement saying, because, uh, you know, he's obviously going through some stuff. Uh, whatever people are coming after him for, that's his business, right? It has nothing to do with like hundreds of people that he's employed to do this game for Lucasfilm. That's, you know, his things have nothing to do with the other people, right? Like they should not be fired and pulled work because of because of this dude so uh he should just make a statement saying like hey whatever whatever this is like i've got nothing to do with the good people working on this uh this amazing game and and uh you know this is a separate issue so uh i mean i could see why you know the, because there's no that's the thing like it's all about a connection right like if, if fans don't have any way of literally sending a letter or throwing a rock through the guy's window they'll do what they can to make him suffer. Right. <laughs> so the only thing they can think of is let's like ruin the game that he's like, he's behind or whatever. And it's just, it's That'd like be a, a real shame. It's yeah, it's, it's a shame. I mean, it's always a shame when stuff gets canceled. Right. And, and it's just, and, but now other people are going to be affected if this whole thing goes south. So, um, you know, fingers I mean, crossed it, uh, it, works out in the best way possible whatever yeah, that is agreed i mean at this point all we can really do is just kind of wait it out see what happens yeah it was one way or the yeah. other like yeah exactly yeah so really up to luke's film yeah uh speaking of luke's film uh they were up to some funny business <laughs> well maybe it was disney parks actually so uh there's a big expansion that happened in the galaxy's galaxy edge in florida with galactic star cruiser and there was this really awesome teaser that they did, uh, which, quote, you know, te- it wasn't awesome at all. It was kind of cheesy. And uh, they actually pulled the teaser from YouTube because uh, there were, I guess there were just that many dislikes and people, there were articles all over the internet saying. Well, jokes on them because YouTube <laughs> hid the dislike ratio. <laughs> yeah. It was so bad that I think uh, 
internally they're like, okay, you know, it's not just about the number dislike that at least that they're seeing a, this video is getting, but there's news outlets reporting that this is, this looks bad. Like, and, and people were starting to cancel their reservations. For, oh, wow. Really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't it realize got, it went that far. It did. Yeah, it did. So they removed this teaser trailer and, uh, I was trying to figure out which teaser trailer this was because I mean, I tend to keep up pretty frequently with the, uh, the Disney park slash Star Wars videos, you know, that might get posted. And in our discord server, we actually have a really cool channel called uh, Star Wars TV, which kind of nets all of those videos into one stream. So it's really easy to kind of stay up to date in there. But uh, yeah, I just, uh, I was like, okay, have I seen this or not? And, and then I saw a thumbnail with the the kid who was featured in it. He's, he's an actor from the Goldbergs. I think he also played the live action version of uh, Ron Stoppable in the Kim Possible Disney film. And uh, <laughs> he was, was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I found that out when I was researching this. Are you and, sure you didn't uh, play the mole rat? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so mean. Uh, so yeah, I just uh, I was like, okay. Uh, I I remember that video. It was pretty bad. Uh, it, you know, he he he's all like, oh gosh, like oh jolly. You know, he's just like a, he's a kid that came out of like the 30s or something or the 20s, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he's talking to the host. I just the whole thing was just it was just done badly like it was just done in a way that made it look like a cheap experience and by a cheap experience i don't mean like a garbage experience but i don't but what i mean by cheap is not worth six thousand dollars to stay for two nights that's what i mean by cheap Uh, i saw pictures of the food as well it didn't seem like the greatest (laughs) (laughs) right yeah i mean it's just disneyland food right so um i i just like I, i couldn't help but think like all these people canceling their reservation after seeing that video, you know, that, that video kind of justified the reason to do it, I guess. And they realized we could go on a cruise ship for like two weeks with the same money and, yep. and then some, right? Like might as well just do that instead. Uh, so then a two day experience at, at Disney, only the, the hardcore, hardest core, most wealthiest Star Wars fans on the planet are going to be attending this thing because there's no reviews as to how it is yet. So I think, there's starting to be this kind of movement of people realizing like, okay, yeah, there was a lot of hype for this, but that was all based on concept art and, you know, little kind of teasers and stuff like that. And and now here's like a real in-depth look at what this thing is going to be all about and people are not liking what they're seeing. So I was kind of expecting the first wave to be mostly people who bought tickets so they could put a review up on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, people, like sponsored yeah, almost. And, yeah, spo- like yeah. They, they get paid back by views, right? Right, Whatever. right, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, I mean, I, I, I'm a mischievous person. So <laughs> I went into the web archive, the, uh, the time machine, shall we call it? It was like a web, web time machine or something. The so, turn back. Turn yeah, back that's it. Turn, the way back machine. The way back machine, that's yes. That's what it is. The Wayback Machine, and uh, I found the video and managed to extract that from the the Wayback Machine, from the depths of the internet, and I re-uploaded it to YouTube so that people can see this glorious teaser trailer. <laughs> and I'm just uh, I'm just waiting until it gets removed. But the yeah, it's only is, a matter of time. It's only Disney a matter of time. Find it. Yeah. 
it's only a matter of time. But for right now, it's got 191 views on it, which is not a lot. But it's uh, it's kind of funny because this is literally the exact same video. It's it's uh, I think it's just not 1080. I think it might be 720 instead. But uh, it's got the same title, same description. I put it all there. And uh, it's uh, it's I, I guess I'm just waiting for it to get taken down. But the funny thing is, is because Disney Parks removed theirs, it's not actually conflicting with a duplicate video on YouTube. So it's the only one of its kind right now. So there's no. Uh, That's interesting. Th- yeah, there's no like duplicate. Th- like there's only some music in it that kind of has like a copyright thing. But because it's not monetized, it's just it's fine. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, it's. Um, I was kind of laughing as I was doing it, and and uh, yeah, just a matter of time till <laughs> some lawyer at Disney's sitting there this morning, <laughs> drinking his coffee and spits all over his screen. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that lawyer is listening to us right now, and he's looking up that video. Uh, so uh, if yeah, that lawyer by the, were by to the time, find it, what was that? Probably an hour after this podcast hits the air, that, that video <laughs> yeah. will be removed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll have to update on the – send out a global update next week on the show or something like that. But uh, if anyone were to find it, uh, you can find us on on YouTube. And, uh, of course, just type in Star Wars Escape Pod. we got a channel up and running. There's nothing on there yet except for the glorious <laughs> teaser that got pulled from the Disney parks. So if you want to give it one last view to see what all the ruckus is about, you can before it gets pulled. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome just, internet just your <laughs> humble pirates and smugglers here helping you out yeah 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 exactly <laughs> um so uh there's another uh, another two things two last minute things actually before we move on to the main meat is uh two books dropping one of them is a book called star wars be more boba fett um uh, nothing crazy drops today actually and uh it's a uh, a fun pocket-sized book packed with inspiration from the galaxy's most famous bounty hunter. So I guess it's Boba Fett quotes of inspiration, which is such a great character to look up to and be like. Uh, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to give your kids, it is uh, so uh, quotable <laughs> from his what like four lines of dialogue. Yeah. two movies. <laughs> a whole a whole nine to five. Uh, sorry, sorry, a whole five to nine pages worth of uh no i'm just kidding 64 64 yeah. pages worth uh That's, so yeah oh but it must include clone wars then i think I, it must be yeah it, i don't really know what this is all about honestly like like it's uh it's, it's kind of a strange idea for a book it is i feel like they're just trying to milk this boba fett thing as much as they can before they move on like i bet yeah. it was the exact same thing if we went back in time and lo- and we're paying attention Right before like Solo came out, for example, it's probably the same thing. This is actually in a in a series called Star Wars: Be More. Dot dot dot. Uh, they've done for they've done one for Vader, Yoda, Lando, Leia, and Obi Wan, and then they've got a box set with all the previous ones in it. And uh, they didn't it's just do Han. Collected wisdom from a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah. What's up with that? Hey, no Han, but they've done Lando. Yeah, no and Anakin Leia. either. They've done. They've done Vader. Like, like, what? What yeah. does Vader have to say? What do you? Assertive thinking from the dark side. That's what it's called. So it'll teach uh, teach kids to turn to their their teachers, and when they're angry, you don't know the power of the dark side. 
<laughs> Dude, these these books are insane. I gotta I gotta look at these one day. Look at this. Look at this description. The publisher summary. I'm skipping a bunch of stuff, but uh, this the third section down. It says, "Find out how to get a promotion, beat the competition, manage difficult employees, and move from intern to CEO with top tips from Star Wars: Be More Like Vader and the most powerful villains in the Star Wars universe." <laughs> This is a self-help book? What is this? Yeah. Self-help by, by Darth Vader. What could possibly go wrong? Man, how crazy would it be if CEO of a company just said, you know, I got successful because I read that book. All right. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's move on to Marvel's Han Solo and Chewbacca series coming March 2022. Uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca, a new series from Marvel will launch March 2022 next year. Of course, that's uh not too far away and it's written by mark uh gungenheim penciled by david messina i believe uh and the monthly comic follows han and chewy a few years before the events of a new hope so it follows their appearances in solo a star wars story uh, as the duo teams up with greedo in better times apparently on a heist for job of the hut starwars.com caught up with gungenheim to talk about the tension with Han, uh, what he has planned for our favorite nerf herder and walking carpet and how Star Wars changed his life. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff there. Um, I'm going to drop the description in the, uh, sorry, a link in the description of the podcast episode so you guys can read it for yourself. But it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, th- this kind of follows the events of Solo a little bit. So anyone who was hoping for Solo 2, I, I don't know if it's in the cards anymore now that they're, now that they're doing this comic book series. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of neat, at least, that the story gets to continue. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a neat idea. Because this Solo movie came out like three years ago now, four years ago. Yeah, you know, they just I think they just woke up one day and they were like, you know what? Solo 2 is never going to happen. Let's just start writing stories with Han Solo and Chewie after the events of Solo and leading up to A New Hope, right? So, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I I kind of thought it would go in that direction, especially after Mandalorian went so well. But I guess most likely what happened is once Dave and uh, John Favreau kind of got the reins. There just wasn't the. They already had so many shows lined up, right? There just wasn't room for it on the the lineup. Exactly. So, those of you wanting Solo two, you can look for it in Han Solo and Chewbacca from Marvel Comics next year in spring. And uh, now let's move on to our feature presentation. And uh, this is a great subject. And we're going to be reading through some articles that were published a long time ago written by Dave Filoni and Brian Young, uh, Brian, Brian Young, <laughs> Finding Middle-Earth in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. That's just the title I came up with, uh, but I thought it was a very appropriate title because of the nature of the subject. And The Lord of the Rings means a lot to you, right? Yes, it does. Now, I'm, uh, I'm not exactly a pro or an expert on any of the Middle-Earth stuff uh, when it comes to... Uh, speaking about those stories, I mean, I've seen the movies quite a lot, quite a few times. I've read The Hobbit uh, more than once, and I've listened on audio to maybe a quarter or half of the Children of Huron, <laughs> and uh, that is pretty much the extent of it. I own a variety of RPG books, 
called The One Ring, uh, published by Cubicle 7. And uh, it's uh, it's a good game. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I myself, like, I, I do really love Lord of the Rings. I don't know if I'm super far enough in the investment of my time and and appreciation enough to call myself a fan but i i like to think of myself as an you know and uh i, I don't know a, a fan deep down i know for sure that uh there is a, a a josh out there in the multiverse or something that that is you know that's his his thing <laughs> it's lord of the rings because uh uh this universe is so big and and uh, the well the world of middle earth is so detailed and if I'm a sucker for anything, it's a, a fictional story and world uh, that has a, a lot of detail in it. And, um, you know, none other than uh, Mr. J.R.R. Tolkien himself is the builder and the maker of that world, much like how George Lucas is known as the maker of Star Wars and uh, a galaxy far, far away. Ironically enough, they actually share a lot of ties. And uh, when I say share a lot of ties. Uh, I mean, Star Wars feeding off of Lord of the Rings as inspiration. And it's uh, a lot of thanks to Tolkien of being one of the first of his kind to really do what he did and uh, make such a detailed world and uh, such a detailed story that so much came out of. And, and even today, we're seeing the results of that. I mean, you know, with the Amazon show around the corner, uh, that's going to be featured in the second age of Middle Earth and, uh, you know, lots of re republished works from Tolkien, uh, edited by his son, Christopher Tolkien, who passed away not that long ago. And now, uh, you know, friends, close, trusted people of the Tolkien estate, I would imagine, editing his current works. The Nature of Middle Earth, I believe, comes out next year or something like that. It's uh, And they keep grabbing these from, from the... Uh, the the history of Middle Earth, I believe, which is basically just this giant, massive thing that I guess he wrote, which is the uh, a detailed kind of beginning to end story of the events that happen in this fictional place. Oh yeah, I mean, if you're gonna go as far back as just talking about the the, the initial novels that came out by Tolkien, it's inspired pretty well the entire fantasy genre. Because that directly inspired Dungeons and Dragons, and then that also branched off into pretty well all of the fantasy films and novels that we got since like the the, the would have been the 70, 73 or seventy four I think was like the first Dungeons and Dragons, so that inspired so many other people to do fantasy stuff, and it's kind of just all trickled out. If you trace it back, it'll all all the the branches will all meet together. The the original Lord of the Rings novels, right. And even before The Lord of the Rings was published, there was The Hobbit. And so I want to first bring up this article by Dave Filoni, which was written December 14th, 2012, and uh, published on the Star Wars blog, StarWars.com. Links in the description for anyone who wants to follow along, but I'm just going to give this a quick read. This is Dave Filoni speaking in the letter. I will never forget the bookshelf my parents kept in our living room when I was growing up. My parents are avid readers, so they collected books on world cultures, art, architecture, opera, natural history, and world history. From this vast selection of topics, there was a series of three books packaged together in a special box that always drew my attention. When I pulled one out, I found a strange red eye looking at me, surrounded by a field of black with bizarre red writing around the edge of the circle. 
At the top was what appeared to be four flames licking upward towards an inverted ring. The binding read, The Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien. Maybe it was the creepy eye, or the strange curse of writing, but I knew I liked these books right away. Even though I found the design a bit intimidating at the time, my mother, saw, uh, my mother saw me looking at them and asked if I was interested in reading them. I said I was, and after some consideration, she decided I was still a bit too young for these volumes. However, there was a book she thought would be perfect for me, The Hobbit. My mother read the entire volume to my brother and me. It was a great addition. The cover was leather and inlaid gold writing and the pictures of trees with distant mountains. Inside, there were color plates painted by Tolkien himself. My favorite, of course, was the one of Smaug the dragon. Reading The Hobbit and later on Lord of the Rings filled me with the same type of wonder and inspiration that I got from watching Star Wars. I loved these worlds and the characters in them, and I always wanted more. Fast forward many years, and I find myself working on Star Wars The Clone Wars with George Lucas. Through this incredible work experience, you get to meet other people that have similar interests. You always have to be ready, because you never know who will drop by. One day, I was talking to then CG supervisor Andrew Harris. These were the early days of 2005, so we had some rough concepts of what we were doing, but no real scripts yet, and no actual renders of animation. In the middle of our conversation, our receptionist, Chris Donovan, came into the office and said that George was looking for us. That was strange, because it was not a George day. Chris said George had brought a visitor, a couple of visitors in fact. Well, that was even stranger. During that time, we worked behind the main house at Skywalker Ranch, almost in secret. It wasn't often we got visitors, so who could it be? I went to the bottom of the stairs and looked across the production room when George found me and said, Oh, there you are. I've been looking for you. I want to show you, Peter, what you've been doing previous. Yes, you've probably guessed correctly. George's guest was Peter Jackson, director of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Stabilizing my mind, we went into my office and we fired up my computer so I could show Peter the action scene when the ATTEs climb the cliff on Teth. It was really early in the version of the scene, but I told the story well enough. I had to walk him and George through our entire process and how we got to where we were in editorial. The team from Weta Workshop was with Peter and was very supportive of our efforts. In those early days of trying to figure out our series, I think their response to our work was really appreciated by my crew. There was a real mutual understanding and respect between everyone there. We were all big fans of the Lord of the Rings, and they were big fans of Star Wars. Even better for our crew was the fact that George seemed to like what we were doing enough to bring Peter Jackson by and show him. That was a big deal, and a real confidence booster. A couple of years later, Mary Franklin brought a friend of hers from Weta by the animation studio. This is when I met Daniel Falconer one of the designers from the Lord of the Rings films. It turns out, he has some friends that had a Clone Wars night where they would get together and watch episodes. My team and I were always really valued uh, of the support we got from Daniel and his team. And over the years, we would trade emails and thoughts on Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. I appreciate the challenges that different creative teams in our industry face. And I always enjoy seeing the results of their hard work it's even better when you know that the effort you are watching is backed by great people who truly care about the work that they're doing. There seems to be a bond between these two worlds, 
Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings. And the people that watch and create these stories, I guess, we just all love the sense of adventure, the sense of wonder, and the feeling of hope that we get from these stories. Whether it be facing a stampede of Oliphants or a squadron of attacking ATs, these are the stories we all grew up with. And we are fortunate to live in a time where we can get jobs telling these stories and passing them on to future generations. In appreciation for Daniel and the crew at Weta, and for their relationship Lucasfilm and Peter Jackson have had over the years, I created this image of Gandalf and Yoda. And on the article at the very top is a picture of Gandalf and Yoda smoking a pipe together on a log. <laughs> he also says, congratulations on the opening of The Hobbit. I hope it is a great success and I look forward to the next two installments. As your roads go ever, ever on, the force will be with you always. Dave Filoni, everyone. Uh, a very touching article and uh, paying homage to... Of course, his love for the Lord of the Rings and the films that came after. And uh, I think what he's trying to say is those who tend to appreciate the Lord of the Rings also tend to appreciate Star Wars in some way, shape or form. I had no idea that, on the regards to the story, I had no idea that uh, Peter Jackson showed up and actually saw early an early screening of the Clone Wars. That's pretty neat that he was that interested in doing it. And I didn't even know that him and George were like in contact. <laughs> like I figured they crossed each other's paths, you know, when you're at that level of like artistic control of franchises and uh, directors and stuff. But I didn't think that they would like send an email like, oh yeah, come on over, broken on a cartoon, you should take a look. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's so cool, right? Like, I, I guess, I don't, maybe he was just in the area or maybe him and, and a bunch of people from Weta, maybe friends of his were just in the area, right? And and maybe, uh, I mean, it, it's George Lucas, right? I mean, uh, maybe maybe that was their second or third time meeting. Uh, I'm assuming, I'm assuming, this is just a wild guess. I'm just assuming that when George was doing the prequels, and Peter Jackson was doing the Lord of the Rings because they kind of came out within the same time frame. Yeah. That there was that there was some sort of first introduction there that may have happened. I could see there being overlap. Yeah, because they came out. I think yeah, Phantom Menace and it was Phantom Fellowship Menace was and like, Fellowship. like a year or two apart. I think it was two years yeah. apart. Because Fellowship was two thousand one. Two thousand one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, two and years. Phantom apart, Menace is ninety nine. So it's yeah. two years. And then you had Attack of the Clones in 2002 with Two Towers, I think, uh, coming out. Was it that year? Yeah, I think they came out pretty consecutively because they filmed yeah. the whole thing at one go, like nonstop. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then by 2005, it was it was Star Wars Episode Three. So you kind of had the Lord of the Rings trilogy come out within the time frame of the entire prequel trilogy. Man, what a golden age to go to the cinema. Oh man, yeah. And and it, I mean it, I mean just randomly to toss it in there. I mean you had the first Harry Potter. Harry Potter, yeah. The Spider-Man films, the first X-Men's, uh the Matrix films. Like I tell you, man, if if you could have Groundhog Day. <laughs> and these were like the like the best CG to ever come out, but we're still getting lots of practical stuff. So it was like this. I think it was a golden age personally because it was you got a great mix of both, as opposed to now where it's all CG. And previous to that, where they were limited to only physical and like yeah, totally. And stuff. 
I still think a lot of the Lord of the Rings shots, barring some of the rough CG stuff, like some of the Schmeagol, for example, barring some of that, I think a lot of the Lord of the Rings special effects and stuff still looks better yeah. than what we see today. Yeah. You know, and films. it's all in the art form too. I mean, they uh, both the prequels and the Lord of the Rings trilogy used a lot of uh, well, they used a lot of digital effects, but they also used a lot of models, a lot of practical model effects. And these models were just amazing, just beautiful to look at and really worth a look into the behind the scenes uh, from uh, the if there if you if you ever come across the book in a chapter is called Middle Earth from script till Scri from script to screen. I think it is. Uh, it's a great look at at what exactly kind of goes into some of these things that they've done for the sets and the miniatures and of course uh, if you have the blu-rays you can look at the behind the scenes of all this stuff and uh you know it's just it's it's mind-boggling just how much miniature work that was done for a lot of the very vast and extensive backgrounds and buildings and stuff that they had to do for a lot of mm -hmm. these these shots yeah. they didn't do miniatures they did what they called bigatures yeah, bigatures. Yeah, yeah. So they were like massive, yeah, uh, scaled models, right? Yeah. Uh, so the one that always blows my mind is the I think it was uh, Isengard as well, but Sauron's tower specifically. They built that out of foam and is three stories tall. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Imagine just carving three stories worth of detailed foam and then painting it. Dude, that, that is a lot of that is a it's lot nuts. of foam. <laughs> well, uh, we got a second article to run through here, written by Brian Young, also on StarWars.com. This was published March 13th in 2016, and it's called "The Cinema Behind Star Wars: The Lord of the Rings." Discover the many connections between these two epic sagas, including the influence of Gandalf on Ahsoka and much more. Peter Jackson's films, based on J.R.R. Tolkien's masterwork, The Lord of the Rings trilogy, were released in 2001, 2002, 2003. They tell the story of the fellowship of men, elves, dwarves, and hobbits, led by the mysterious wizard Gandalf and their quest to destroy the Ring of Power before the absolute symbol of evil the Dark Lord of Sauron. Each installment of the trilogy, both in the books and the films, contains the same sort of adventure, politics, and archetypical heroes and villains of Star Wars. We explore the, uh, in the column of the trilogy's parallels with the original films and the impact it's had on the Star Wars saga. Before Peter Jackson's films would inspire the more recent installments of Star Wars, George Lucas certainly took inspiration from Tolkien's work in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. In early drafts of the Star Wars screenplay, Luke even has a line of dialogue lifted directly from the books, though it never made it to the final film. Luke Skywalker and Frodo Baggins share many aspects of their journeys together. Both are reluctant to leave, but they're prodded into action by a mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Gandalf the Grey, and both must face the most evil creatures their world can throw at them. Along the way, they become heroes who face many challenges and have to rely on their friends for help. In fact, both Luke Skywalker and Frodo Baggins meet their most ruggish allies in bars. Han Solo can be found at the Cantina on Mos Eisley, and Strider can be found at the Prancing Pony in Bree. 
These characters whisk our heroes away to the next part of their adventure and have to heed their own calls to the journey as well. The most direct comparison though is in the mentor characters. The scene where Obi-Wan Kenobi sacrifices himself aboard the Death Star so that our band of rebels can escape with their lives can be seen as an almost direct parallel to the Fellowship of the Ring and Gandalf's fight with the Balrog. Vader makes sense as the Balrog, as Gandalf explains to the Fellowship, this foe is beyond any of you. And Vader had certainly proven that the same could be said of him by that point in A New Hope. But Obi-Wan is, just like Gandalf the White, able to come back in some form with a new power to help at a later point in the series. Moving back to the prequel trilogy, Anakin is Frodo in totality, leaving on a quest for good, corrupted by the power of the dark, and brought back by the love of his companions. It might not be a coincidence that the ending of Revenge of the Sith and The Lord of the Rings Return of the King both occur around lava and volcanoes. This metaphor of hell and deals with devils is universal to the stories. Taking this a step further, you can draw a connection between Vader tossing Palpatine into the pits of the Death Star to Gollum tossing both himself and the Ring of Power into the lava of Mount Doom. Like Gollum and Smeagol, Vader was also a character of split personality, of good and evil between the poles of Anakin Skywalker and his Darth Vader persona. There are many more connections between Star Wars and The Lord of the Rings, but none may be as direct as Sir Christopher Lee. He played Saruman in The Lord of the Rings and Count Dooku in the second and third episode of the classic Star Wars saga. Both characters he played in these two series were good characters who are corrupted by evil sometime in the events before the films. Both characters maintain a ruse of being good until it is no longer expedient, and both are forced into wizard's duels when their true nature is revealed. Both get the upper hand on their opponents, Dooku against Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Yoda, Saruman against Gandalf. He wasn't the only actor to cross over from the Lord of the Rings to Star Wars. Bruce Spence, who played the mouth of Sauron, was Tion Madon, in Revenge of the Sith. C-3PO's Anthony Daniels even got a shot at playing Legolas, providing the voice for the elvish warrior in the 1978 animated version of The Lord of the Rings. But another direct comparison and inspiration from The Lord of the Rings on Star Wars is Ahsoka Tano. At New York Comic Con last year, this is uh, of course the 2015 New York Comic Con, Star Wars Rebels executive producer Dave Filoni says of Ahsoka, she serves the story because you can't just bring Darth Vader into this crew, because he'd kill them. They need a Gandalf. Ahsoka shows up when necessary. She's dealing with bigger and darker problems. And when the former Jedi arrives to help, it is in very much the same way as Gandalf. In the middle of season two, Ahsoka arrives to save Kanan and Ezra from the Inquisitors in a moment that certainly echoes a light side version of Darth Maul's arrival in The Phantom Menace but the blinding light of goodness behind her instead. Just as Gandalf's arrival at Helm's Deep, with the Rohan army and the blinding sun to his back, to face off against the army of Saruman. Gandalf the Grey's resurrection as Gandalf the White bears similarities to Ahsoka as well, though hers was much more metaphorical. During her time with the Jedi, Ahsoka bore green lightsabers, then blue. 
but after her exile and return, she acquired sabers that glow white. It all fits with Dave Filoni's description of her as Gandalf. I'd also like to include the fact that by the end of Star Wars Rebels, Ahsoka even wears a white robe and holds a white cane. Filoni and crew have been long inspired by the work of Peter Jackson too. In 2012, on the eve of the release of the first installment of the Hobbit trilogy, Filoni wrote a piece explaining the back and forth inspiration between the crew of the Clone Wars and the Lord of the Rings. We just read it. The most recent influence from the Lord of the Rings on Star Wars might be seen in The Force Awakens. In the Lord of the Rings films, each time the Ring of Power is dropped, it's accompanied by a thud and hits the ground with a weight that bellies its size. There's a moment in The Force Awakens where Kylo Ren drops his helmet, and it feels just like dropping the Ring of Power in everything from the angle of the shot, the weight of the object, to the sound. And really, both Kylo Ren's mask and the Ring of Power represent much the same themes in the stories, right? So he poses with that question, and I'd like to just say, yeah, I think uh, it's definitely worth making that comparison. And it's, it's, it's tough to say as to what J.J. intended for that scene, but regardless whether or not he pulled that from Lord of the Rings or not, there's just a very similar artistic style as to how to portray this thing that holds so much weight in the power of darkness. So what do you think of all those similarities? Like... I had, I did not realize there was that many. Like I kind of knew like the basis, like the hero's journey part. Uh, I didn't put and like in in regards to that, like you get like Obi Wan and Gandalf, right? They're both like get the unsuspected person out on an adventure, and then they they die before their time, and they both come back in another way to try to help out with greater power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes me wonder though when. Obi-Wan says that line, I'll come back, you know, be uh, like stronger than you could ever imagine or whatever. And then he that never really, like he comes back as a ghost, he helps Luke, but he doesn't really have t more power technically, right? Makes me wonder if a, a, another draft? You could be right. Yeah, you could be right in the sense that it was intended that he did come back, like physically. But I, I, I'm not entirely sure about that. I think it might have been intended that the power yeah. he speaks of is really the immortality of maintaining his identity after death and being able to guide Luke Skywalker. That's true. That's, I mean, it is plausible that he also would still be able to sense it and speak over like comms, but yeah, 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 I definitely, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And, and in that fight as well, I mean, you know, I, I mean, we know that th that movie was it's an older movie, so so the, the, the choreography of, of the fight wasn't exactly the peak standards of what it could be, I, I guess, compared to the newer films. But, uh, you know, he's also an older man, Obi-Wan. And, and uh, from Rogue One, we, we know for sure that Vader still got it. You know, he still got it in him to, to I guess, kill him quickly if that's need be. Um, and Obi-Wan is just, uh, this is a guy who's... Uh, spent years in the desert, you know, and and probably not seen that much action withering away. I mean, apparently, well, so we're led to believe until this new Obi Wan series right, comes out. Right? Yeah, I guess we'll I guess we'll see what happens there. Yeah, uh, but I mean, this is a guy who's gone through a lot of pain as well. Like like he's lost, he's failed his apprentice, and and mm -hmm. his 
you know, the Republic and the Jedi Order are gone and he's he's only got one purpose in life and it's to protect Luke, right? So, you know, the greater power that he ends up possessing is is also, as we know from the Clone Wars, is something that very, very few can achieve. It's uh, something that you need to be, almost be elected for by the Force priestesses and given the right to maintain your identity after death and have to go through all the training and everything like that, right? So no, that's true. Um, we'll say he did prove to still be Compton battle by killing yeah. Darth Maul in a single strike. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a couple of years, I guess, before A New Hope starts. But yeah, that, that is true. Uh, Gandalf is, uh, his species is, is um, what are they called again? Um, I know he's basically an angel. Yeah. I forgot the uh, name of it, though. Uh, the Istari. Yeah, that's it. The Astari. So the Astari are, are also, um, uh, I guess, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? They're like demigods. Uh, yeah, they're also, uh, they're uh, ch- they're chosen. Like they're chosen, they're sent into Middle Earth mm-hmm. to, to help... Um, mankind. Yeah, to help mankind, right? And much like, I guess, the Jedi would look upon themselves as being chosen to use their abilities to protect the people of the galaxy and be the peacekeepers that the galaxy needs to maintain balance, right? So uh, there's a similarity there as well between the Jedi as being these force wizards and of course the wizards of of Middle-earth. So Mm -hmm. um, you put any Jedi into the place of Obi-Wan or like like Ahsoka in her, in her, uh, uh, I mean, heck, they even ended off Star Wars Rebels with her with a white cane and a white robe, like exactly like Gandalf, right? Like oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like, like Dave Filoni is, you know, he he is so inspired by Middle Earth, by Lord of the Rings, that like these these connections are everywhere. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. Uh, it's like it, it makes you think, just like as as time goes by. Uh, I mean, Star Wars is gonna be. It, it, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's eternal. Like like, no one's ever gonna forget about Star Wars, right? Like, a hundred years is gonna go by, people are gonna remember Star Wars. Uh, but even more so, hundred years will go by, and people are still gonna be talking about Lord of the Rings, right? Like, it's a, it's a, you it's think a classic. It's, do you think it's reached the the equivalency at this point of say, uh, like Homer, like the ancient Greek works and, and the Roman works, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera? Yeah, I think I think in their own way they have reached a certain pinnacle, right? I mean, like the society of today and pop culture has never quite existed the way it ever has before. So we're really looking at a whole new, a whole new world ahead of us that's almost uh, built upon the foundation of these media's and and these stories that are now uh, so iconic, right? And, uh, you know, if you look at anything from video games to to films or whatever, I mean, like, everything's kind of... Like, Netflix is, is doing games now, and and, uh, and and movie companies are making... Uh, or, sorry, game companies are making movies, like, you know, Uncharted movie, it was PlayStation Studios, like, you know, what the heck? I mean, it, it, it's this weird world of every company is now doing games and movies and and now they're hiring people to make, write books on the in their universes and all this and that and, and i mean all of this is just all inspired by creating deep lore and deep universes and 
if it wasn't for Tolkien, like you wouldn't have anything of the sorts. I don't think there's anything prior to Middle Earth that exists which has as much uh, detail in it, unless you start really getting into Greek mythology and stuff. But you know, in a way, uh, you know, a lot of the Greeks and stuff like that was also their religion and stuff, right? But if you're looking at a like a fictional, uh, intentionally fictional world, you know, done by scratch and 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 by one guy, uh, Middle Earth is is the vessel of uh, what carries that torch, right? And and out of that, you have so many other stories that have been inspired by by that series and and by the uh uh diversity and the the spans of of those legends right and uh you know star wars is no different you know like there's if you compare movie to to book like you get a lot of those similarities like what were you talking about but uh when you really compare the uh the lore of of all of these extra things i mean you layer Clone Wars and Rebels and all these books, whether they're canon or not, like they all add to this greater universe is what Star Wars fans call just the expanded universe, right? And uh, it's it's this insane level of, you know, there, there's thousands and thousands of Wikipedia pages. I mean, you know, even, even the hardcore Star Wars fan, you know, has probably not read all of it. <laughs> or, or or doesn't know everything and and uh, you know even like even I got to do my own research sometimes to uh, just you know just brush up on a topic or two or, or even if uh, I'm like hey let's do this and you know I start looking into it I'm like wow I find myself going down a rabbit hole and then all of a sudden there's all these things that I just never knew about before so uh, you know and, and in a way of talking about it like that I'm sure I'm sure you and I you, you actually feed off me and, and probably uh, learn a lot as well but you know, it's 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 thanks to Mr. Tolkien that that we even have worlds that are that detailed, and uh, also you know written with the intention of of pleasing uh, kind of a more youthful audience. So, uh, really, it's it's a it's the fantasy genre is is really truly something else, and and uh, it, it really kind of originates there. When you start to look back at at old works though Shakespeare you know all the there's their story threads there because I guess some of the Shakespearean things are a bit kind of more fantasy you know with witches and such but uh, you know you, you start to kind of make comparisons with with those stories and you can definitely find them uh, you know like the whole prequel trilogy the, the downfall of the Jedi it's all very Shakespearean in itself so like there there's that and you know the variety of other things including of course Anakin's turn to the dark side and you know struggle and uh, uh, seeking for power very um, I think it's Macbeth I think you know seeking his power uh, it, it's it's uh, it, you know it's it's kind of crazy just how how these stories these folklore these legends whatever you want to call them kind of go around the wheel and get reinvented by people and inspired to make new things and, and it just keeps going around and around that way but you know Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, like they're just these very two iconic things. They're just going to stick to that wheel for a very long time. And in a hundred years from now, people are still going to be remembering those very fondly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think we're already at that point. I think we are seeing people reference this stuff. Just, I mean, George himself. Mm -hmm. Let's say George himself was referencing 
like the the old cowboy movies and the samurai films right it's kind of the same idea oh yeah yeah for sure uh you know the old samurai samurai films uh, japanese cinema uh which was some of the first stuff that he was exposed to in in film school and uh old westerns and stuff you know all based in american cinema of course with the old westerns so yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot that obviously you throw into the mix. I mean, George grew up on a farm. He's an American guy, uh, you know, throwing the old west. You know, that's right up his alley. Uh, Japanese cinema, something he was introduced to at school, film school, and you know, very artistic and everything. And uh, that plays up in into Star Wars as well. And you know, the full, the whole fantasy genre. And and it's 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 crazy. Like, there's so many things in that blender. And you know, when you look at all the little ingredients that make Star Wars, I think that's why it's so special. That's why that's why people love Star Wars because they get to find things and they keep finding things in that story. And you know, very much like Middle Earth, like Star Wars has become so vast, and it's not just because of George Lucas. There's now many storytellers involved in making that galaxy so much bigger. So there's a lot of people to thank for how rich this story can can get. You went one step further. He he wrote, you ever heard of the Red Book? Oh, Tolkien's Red Book. Uh, I, I, um, it's vague. vague yeah, so Tolkien created his own, you could almost think of it as like a, a lost transcript or like a Bible that he created uh, to, for the Lord of the Rings universe that he yeah. referenced when writing the book. So it was like he wrote. Mm-hmm. Like the history he, of the world. Yeah, he, yeah, so the idea when, when he wrote Lord of the Rings this is something I learned recently. I thought was really cool. When the idea was he he wasn't writing Lord of the Rings as an original creation. He was transcribing it from another language of an ancient work that he found. But he wrote the ancient work. So that's why uh, the beginning of of both The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, you see it as Frodo is writing the novel, or, or Bilbo is writing there and back again, right? Uh, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. the idea was it's from their perspective, which was transcribed from a point of view of the history that happened. That's really cool. I I, uh, I don't think anyone else has ever been known to have done that. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know George did kind of have an outline for his movies for what he was going to do, but it wasn't down to the very nitty gritty details of how the world works, you know. And whereas I'm sure Tolkien's entire red book this massive manuscript thing i'm sure i'm sure it had way more stuff in it than george's like two page yellow page note pages of of uh <laughs> of uh what all the what was going to be the plot points of all the different episodes for star wars but uh it's still you know the the inspiration there though exists right and and um you plan your story out right and you build that world and you so when he did the first movie he knew that he was going to do uh, or have this giant event called the Clone Wars. And, you know, it's crazy to think about that an animated TV show in 2008 that was launched was uh, mentioned in a movie from 1977. Uh, but that's just that's just a good storyteller. It's just someone who knows what he's, what he's doing. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. So, you know, Tolkien is, is such a master at what he does that, you know, he didn't just, just know what he was doing. Like, he... he was almost like experiencing and living what he was doing because you know he would invent languages like whole 
whole languages and stuff to to have in that world as well, which is which is absolutely nuts. Like like someone can learn and speak Elvish, and that's just that's baffling to me. There's also a lot of similarities when you think about it. When you think about the ring, the One Ring, and Frodo being chosen for for being responsible for that, and uh, you look at Anakin Skywalker and this Chosen One prophecy, and you know when you start really kind of comparing the two to carry this burden on their shoulders there 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 really is a lot of similarities there and then of course that expands further into other stories now now the chosen one thing comes up a lot uh you know harry potter and you know beyond that like so many other stories now there's, there's always a chosen one but uh it's you know it really is um uh it really is so true like all these all these stories and stuff, you know, they mean a lot to people. And uh, sometimes I think like they mean a lot to people because they're so real. Like, you know, people can escape to these fantasy lands and and uh, almost live out their imaginations, right? And and it's something that, well, there's they're important. And stories are, are universal. Every culture has stories to tell and these stories can form the basis as to how we think about our world and and how we live our lives and uh they can mean a whole lot more they preserve culture they can pass on knowledge and they can pass stories within those stories uh that keep things alive they can they're they're timeless they can link to traditions to myths and legends and archetypes and uh they connect us to universal truths about ourselves and the world that we live in and it's through stories that we can share passions and fears and joys and sadness and and hardships and and hope and these things that we love in store adventure we find common ground with with people that we can connect and communicate with them about i mean look at us hosting this podcast together uh talking about something that I guess in 1977 just used to be one movie and uh you know stories convey meaning and purpose and they 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 mean a lot to people and when you have a rich universe it's just all that more lifelike and believable and something you can just invest in and uh and love from beginning to end so uh yeah here's to all the star wars and lord of the rings fans out there and Blake, is there anything last minute you want to bring up before we hit the outro? Just that I'm glad it's that time of year again, because this is when I usually sit down and watch Lord of the Rings and usually Star Wars as well. So, And then on top of that, I get to watch the new Boba Fett series. So it's a good time. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining. Well, coming back with us on this ride in Star Wars Escape Pod once again. And as always, you guys know the best way to help us out is by sending this link, the podcast, to a friend, dropping a five-star review, even uh, giving us a few words uh, of kindness on your Apple podcast app or wherever. If you're using a podcast platform that can leave reviews, that would be a huge help because it helps other people discover the show. It's all to do with the algorithms that bump up the shows that get more reviews and it's uh 
Honestly, I kind of wish that they worked out in my favor, but uh, you know, uh, it's just up to you guys. Uh, it's, uh, it's up to our listeners to share and, and rate this show, and uh, we don't have very many ratings, so more would be fantastic if you can, if you can do that for us. Uh, we love doing this podcast, and we hope you guys do too. We probably have maybe one episode more before the new year. Uh, likely an after show for the book of Boba Fett, of course, which is right around the corner. We also have plans to do our uh, possible, I don't know if it's become an annual thing or not, but uh, we'd love to start doing this annual Ultimate Star Wars Trivia competition uh, between us on uh, on the show. We're going to try and bring on as many people as we can to get involved and make a bit of a game show out of it. So uh, you can look forward to that and uh, follow along at home trying to answer these multiple choice questions and uh, see if you can compete with uh, with us here at Star Wars Escape Pod. So until next time, I guess that's pretty much all we got. And uh, once again, I guess next week, until the Book of Boba Fett premiere, Keep an eye out next week for that Bring Home the Bounty webpage. All those new uh, those things coming out in relation to Star Wars merchandise. Lots to look forward to. And uh, I hope uh, all of you guys enjoy your marathons. You know, whether it be Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Maybe some of you guys, of course, do Star Wars every year. Uh, please feel free to shoot us an email, feedback, comments anything our email is swscapepodcast at gmail.com you can follow us on our twitter and instagram at swscapepodcast and of course join the discord link it's in the description below along with the articles that we read today and uh, and more close-up look at the han solo chewbacca marvel series coming to you in march next year so until next episode have a, a merry merry christmas everybody and may the force be with you